daily. And this grace is enough song. That was a great song. Remember your people. Remember your children. Remember your promise, oh God. We're his children. We're his people. And he's made promises to us that, that we, they're ours. All we have to do is claim them. We're going to get that a little bit today. When we were watching that video last night, we saw Jesus be crucified up on the cross. I preached here a while back about how the beating he took. He took 39 strikes, but you have to remember that was times nine. Because there was a cat of nine tails. And each one of those whips had a little jagged rock in it. They would wrap around him, beat into his ribs and bruise him. Deep, deep bone bruises. Have you ever had one of those before? You ever ran them when you was a kid and stepped on a rock? I used to run across the gravel barefooted before I got fat. Didn't weigh that much. Didn't bother me too much. But you ever step on a big rock? Sometimes they'll bruise you even through your shoe. You know how bad that hurts when it's deep bruised like that? Yeah. Imagine your whole back and your whole side and everything eat up with that. And every time they would wrap around there, and they jerked that whip back out of those little pieces of rock would rip pieces of flesh off and rip him open, and he was ripped down through the bone. He would have been torn down through the bone, modern-day doctors say, from the beating that he took. Not only that, he had a crown of thorns. Jesus came here and did that for us because God loved us, and God wanted to have a relationship with me, yeah. and he wanted to have a relationship with you. Right. Your grace is enough. We should thank him every day. First off, he told Paul, isn't my grace sufficient for thee? When Paul was asking him for things, Paul was asking him to remove the thorn from his flesh. Paul calls it a thorn in his flesh. It was a physical thing. We never know what that is and never speaks of it. But he says, my grace is enough for you. Grace is unmerited favor. Unmerited. I didn't do anything to deserve it, but he loved me anyway. Even though I was a sinner, he loved me anyway. My wife, my wife was talking, we were talking about this a little bit this morning, and she said it's kind of like a cop. He puts his life out there on the line for people to protect him. It's a little bit like that. But do you think a cop would lay his life down? He puts his life out there, but he tries to protect himself. Would you think he would lay his life down for you? Do you think he would lay his life down for a criminal? Because that's what we were in that day. I mean, that's what we were before we came to God. We were crooks. Do you think he would lay his life down for, for a drug addict? I don't think so. He's going to do his best to save his life. Jesus loved us so much he came here so that we could be saved. Unmerited favor. There's no reason for it other than he just loved us. If he did, never did another thing for us, would you still be able to praise him? Yeah. Is that enough for you? All of us, I think, sitting here would like to say yes. But now you think about the everyday, the day-to-day trials that you go through. Think about this. When the devil gets you questioning, do you really believe he gets you question your face sometimes? He gets you question this or that. What about my kids? You all know what I'm talking about. Our everyday struggles that we have. Would that be enough for us to praise him for the rest of our lives until he comes back? Would it be? We'd all like to say it is, but we, we have to work on this day by day by day. It should be. Um, he did all these things. The number one reason, though, he came back, or that he came here to die on that cross, was for us to be reconciled with God. Because of sin, there was a wedge driven between us and God, and God went back to heaven. He used to walk with Adam every day. Jesus said he gave us authority over everything, but he says, don't, re- don't rejoice in that I came back to take your authority back, and that I came back and gave you power, and I gave you glory, and I gave you joy, and I gave you all these things through me coming back. We regained all these things for Jesus coming back and taking that beating, and dying on the cross, being crucified. But he says, rejoice not in this, in verse 20, Luke 10, 10 20, says, don't rejoice in that, but rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So could we praise him just on that reason alone? Could we do that, church? We should be able to do that, but can we do that? Are we strong enough to do that? See, I think the devil has duped us for so long. If we're supposed to be on the straight and narrow here, he's got us way over here to the side somewhere. 
instead of it down the middle where it's supposed to be. Does that make sense to y'all? When we're driving a car down the road, <laughs> if I don't ever correct anything, if I just hold the steering wheel straight, I'm going to run off in the ditch. I have to constantly be making corrections in my life. Constantly taking God's word, applying it to my life, accepting it, not getting offended because of something the preacher said, or because someone said something to me at church, not getting offended leaving the church, doing something like that, but constantly making adjustments in my life, steering this thing down the road to stay on the straight and narrow. Yeah. If I don't do this, I'll wind up in the ditch. I'll wind up back where I was at. And there's nothing back there, folks. There's nothing behind us. There's nowhere to go back to. No. There's nowhere to be. You, you all came here looking for a change. I came to God looking for a change. He's, gave, he's given us change, and he's constantly changing us. We have to accept that, though, and keep going on the road. Uh, my main text today is Luke 13, 24. We're going to read 13, 23 through 27. So if you have your Bible, turn there today with me. Jesus is talking to the church here. He's talking to, to the people who are following him already. It says, Then said one unto, unto him, Lord, are there few that be saved? And he, and he said unto them, Here's my main text right here. Strive to enter in the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. Let me ask you this. How many people do you think are in here today? 30, 35? Something like that? If many of us are striving to get in there, but few will make it, are you willing to take that chance on God today? We need to be striving for him every day. He goes on to say, When once the master of the house is risen up and has shut the door, and ye begin to, to stand without stand without, and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open, open unto us, and he shall answer you and say unto you, I know you not whence you were. Then ye begin to say, We have eaten and drank in thy presence, and thou hast taught in your streets. But he shall say, I tell you, I know you. I know you not whence you are. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. So they knew Jesus. They knew him. They had been around him. They didn't have a personal relationship. Maybe like we talked about the beans and bands last night. Maybe they didn't have that personal relationship with God, an intimate relationship, but they'd been around him. They came in and sat in the chairs. They sat in the pews. They warmed the pews. Yeah. Coming to church and warming the pews is not going to get you in on that day. Yeah. It's having that intimate relationship with, with God. That's what's going to get you in there. Right. Intimacy. Speaking to him every day. Getting into his word. Applying his word to your life. Amen. Are we doing this today, church? We choose. He gives us the choice. You know, he, he sent his son here to die on this cross. This horrible death to redeem us. To pull the wedge out of sin. Out from between us and him so we could come back together. So that we can be reconciled. We choose whether to drive that wedge back in there again or not. Right. It's your choice. Mine and your choice. We, we do it every day. It's a life and death choice. Yeah. And it's serious business, people. We see all these things going on in the world. This is where the devil has us duped at. We see all the things that we see, the natural, fleshly, physical things that we see every day in the world. And we let those take control of our minds, our thoughts, our actions, instead of God's word. Yeah. God's love. He loved us so much, he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. He, not, he, he wants not one of us to perish, but it's our choice. We can perish if we want to, or we can live for him. We can constantly make adjustments. This is not a message of condemnation. This is a message of encouragement, actually. It's going to get a little more encouraging here in a minute. I'm, just, I'm laying this out for you right now. We choose, though, to drive that wedge in there or whether to stay close to him we're his children and he's our father he wants us to do well he wants me to do well he wants me to, to remember my promises 
He wants me to remember the promises and speak them into my life. He doesn't want me to lack anything. It says he'll supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. So he doesn't want me to lack not one single thing. He doesn't want me to live defeated. He doesn't want me to be tread down. Jesus paid the ultimate price for these things. He came back not only for my salvation, he also came back for all these things. For my salvation. For me not to lack anything. For me, for me to tread things down, actually. For me to have authority over all things. He tells us to speak to the mountains. Speak to these things in our lives. These big, huge-looking things, these addictions, these these things, this doubt that the devil brings against us all the time. How many of you not dealt with doubt in the last week or two? Everybody in here probably should have their hand up, including me. I may have both hands up. Not doubting God, but doubting myself. Right. Doubting me that, am I good enough to do this? You know, this is big shoes to fill to come in and be called as a pastor. And you all have big shoes to fill to come in and, and do whatever jobs he's calling you to do. And he has a calling on each and every one of your lives. Now, a lot of us haven't stepped up and said what those callings are yet. I think probably a lot of us know there's jobs here in this church that need to be filled. Not just chairs that need to be filled, but there's jobs that need to be filled in this church. I've preached about this several times, not to step on any toes, but I should have had several people come to me by now and say, hey, brother, I feel like I'm supposed to do this. Hey, you know what? I'm good at this over here. Why can I kind of do this for the church? Right? Shouldn't we have this going on? Instead of being a one-man band, it's not all me, it's not about me, but I'm just saying... This is not all my responsibility. We're one body here. One body in Christ. Amen. Christ is the head and we're the body. Everyone should be doing their part. I can't be the foot, the hand, the head, the toes, the eyes. You follow me here? Yeah. I'm not saying that I am, but I'm just saying there's a lot of people in here who have callings on their lives. I know you have callings on their life. There's a couple of you I know what your callings are. And I believe that at least one of you know what your calling is. And you need to step out. You need to take a hold of that thing. Think about this. God called me several years before I before I decided to step out and accept my calling. Right? And you've seen how much my family's came in here just in the last five months since I've been here. What if I came here years ago? How many people could have been saved? How much more could I have done for God through that? How much more could you do for God through that? Even if it's greeting people at the back door, if it's mowing the yard, if it's coming out and helping remove the snow off the driveway, you know, Nothing is more important than the other. They're all the same importance. If we don't clear the snow off the, off the driveway, guess what happens? Nobody comes in. They don't hear the message anyway. If we don't mow the yard, we're going to look like we don't take care of our house and people aren't going to take us seriously. That's right. You feel this here? If you don't come in and help paint the walls, they're going to come in here and say, well, these people let this house run down. They don't care about it. That's probably how their relationship is with God. And I'm not getting on you. I'm just saying this is, this is the public image that we're putting on here. And here's another truth about this thing. This church has been down for a while. They've had a couple other pastors come in here and try to get this thing up. Not that I'm anything. I'm just, God called me here to do this. But the, this is public image, though. They're expecting us to fail. Yeah, they are. They expect this church to go down again because it's, it's already happened here. Right. Not once, not twice, but I believe three times. This church used to be a thriving church. And when the last pastor died, it went downhill pretty bad. Then the next pastor came in and didn't make it work. The next one came in and didn't make it work. To what? You see, a, you see a routine here? That's what they're expecting out of us. Are you willing to, re to receive that today? No. Or do we want to receive God's promises? Yeah. Everywhere that my foot treads belongs to me. We need to get these promises down into us. Right. We're God's children. He wants us to do well. Yes. He wants us to live and thrive and lack nothing. That's right. Have you needed for anything in the last week? Yeah. No. 
No? Some of, I heard a yeah on there. I have. I have. Some of us have needed things. A lot of us have needed things, actually. Whose fault is that? Is that God's fault? No. God hasn't plugged up the blessings or, or, or stopped his glory from flowing into our lives. It's not God. It's on our side of the fence. What are we doing to receive his word? Are we going along with what Satan's telling us? Are we believing in this doubt? Satan gets me down for a day or two at a time sometimes. I'll be honest with you. Doubting myself, am I good enough to do this? I can't do it on my own. I can't preach. There's no way I can preach. I'm not a, I, I, naturally, I'm not a preacher. Not even good at public speaking. Not good at it at all. But through following God, there's where the power is. That's right. You've got to follow God. That's the only way I can do this, is to shut my mouth, shut my mind off my doubts, my fears, my lack, and believe in God's promises. He didn't call me here to leave me. He didn't call me here to forsake me or abandon me. He's not calling you out into your calling. It's not even what my sermon's about, but here we go. Where the Spirit's leading us at. He's not calling you out into your calling to abandon you there. You are good enough to accept this call. Amen. He doesn't call... The good. What was that saying? Baby told me today. He doesn't call. He doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the call. So when you when you have faith in God, when you exercise your faith and you step out into your faith, He starts to qualify you. He prepares you from there. And you know you may start out greeting people at the back door. You might start out handing out visitor slips. Guess what? Next month you got a better job. Now you're a Sunday school teacher. Now you're this. Now you're that. You've got to step out in something small for God to qualify you. And prepare you and lead you into something before you can get the better job, before you can get it. It's just the same thing in the natural world. You know, you got to start out somewhere. Whatever that call is that God's been leading you to, I beg you today. I won't beg you, I'll ask you. God's already told you. I'll ask you, come to me and talk to me about it. You know, and I'll pray about it. And, and God will verify it with my spirit, if that's where you're truly supposed to be at. He'll verify it with my spirit because he's called me here to be this pastor, to be over this church. And not that I'm anything. I don't, I'm not asking for any glory or anything like that. I'm just saying, come to me and talk to me about it, and he'll verify it through through that. Um, I got way off my notes here, so I have to come up here and rein myself back a little bit. So we need to speak to our mountains. He loves us so much, he sent his son to die a horrible death, so we didn't have... The hill. I've already covered that part. He wants us to claim those things. This is like an inheritance we have. God has, you think about this, put this in world terms. Say there's a kid and he inherited $5 million. His parents passed away, his grandparents passed away. He has a $5 million trust fund. We've, we've all known people like this, I'm sure. Some of them, some of them squander it. And what happens to them? They live up, they, they, they end up on drug addictions, they end up with STDs, they end up with things wrong with them, defeated, tread down, they end up, they end up at, at everyone else's hands. They end up living in the downtown areas and defeated, and they end up being, ha, taking what the world has to give to them. But, but then you have the other ones on the other hand, they'll take some of their money, they may educate themselves, they might invest some of it. Five million dollars sounds like a lot of money, but you can waste it pretty quick if you if you live pretty frivolously, right? I could blow five million dollars this year probably if I if I put my mind to it. A lot of us could, and then it's gone. Now, if I took this money though and I invested it and I called it out and I and I used these things, what would happen if I if I had this deed to this money and I didn't even go collect it? Sure, I read about it. I read the whole thing. I read the will. I read the whole thing. What, what my grandparents left for me. And I got $5 million over there in St. Louis in the bank. And I don't even go get it. What would you think about that person? Goofy. 
I think that person will be a fool. A goofy old boy, my wife might say. <laughs> but is that not what we're doing? God has deposited everything we're ever going to need. Jesus paid for it. He wants us to have it. Do you think he sent his son here to pay a price like that? If he didn't want you to have it? His only begotten son. Do you think I could send Grace down there to do that for you? No, you'd be in trouble. I couldn't do that. But God loves you so much. He loves me so much that he wants us to flourish in this. He wants us not to need anything or to lack anything. Are you getting this down any this morning? Yeah. But it's our choices. We have to choose to do it. I have to choose to read this deed and go over there to the bank. Let me tell you what. If I had $5 million in the bank in St. Louis, I'd be over there in about. I'd be there when they open in the morning. And I'd say, hey, look here, mister. This is mine. I've got this deed right here, and this is my money. I want it. I'm collecting it. I'm making a withdrawal today. You think that's not what our words are doing when we speak to our mountains? We make withdrawals from the deposits God's put in there for us already. Does this make sense to anybody? Yeah. Are you getting this? Yeah. Are we living in this? Can we step out in this a little bit more? He wants us to claim these things. We need to be continually going to God, not just claiming things we want because we want them. Because the Bible also says we have to ask for God for things in His will. When it's in His will, He responds to us. So we need to continually be going to God. I believe we need to be praising Him first and foremost. Thank you, Daddy. First, I just love you. I want you to know that I love you, Dad. And I want you all to know each and every one of you that I love you, and I appreciate you being here. I thank you for that. I thank you, Dad. And I love you. We need to be praying. Then we can come to him with supplication and say, hey, you know, I have this issue over here. You know, the devil's causing me to doubt today, Father. Can you help me out? I just want to listen to you. I know you're right. We need to be going to his word constantly, continually in his word. He speaks to us through his word all the time, right? Gives us promises. He gives us answers through his word. This is... This is the owner's manual for your life. This is the book right here for your life. Amen. If I had a problem with the piano, I'd go to the manual for it, right? If I had a problem with this or that, I'd go to the manual for it. I'd go see which fuse need to be changed. Like that, I'd go to the manual. We need to be going to this constantly. When we have a problem, get your Bible out. Get your Googler out. Get out your Google here and say, what, what's God's word say about this? And there's a lot of things on the internet. Just make sure it's biblical if you're using the internet because there's a lot of craziness and wacky stuff that goes on there too. But you, you find the scriptures for that problem, read them for yourself and apply those scriptures to your life. That's, that's the main thing. Even things I tell you in here, don't take my word for it. I'm only a man. I could fall at any time. I could be wrong. I may have missed God altogether. You never know. I'm nobody. But when you take what I, what I give to you, that's why I always bring you a lot of scriptures. When you take what I give to you, read God's word on it. Pray to God about it. Make sure it checks with your spirit. My pastor says it's kind of like eating watermelons. You eat the watermelon out, whatever doesn't taste good to you, spit the seeds out. You spit that part out. Now, I'm not saying that you can spit out everything, but if it's biblical, you got to keep it. So we need to continually go into God. Jesus paid such a price. He bought us. You're bought and paid for. He paid for our sins. He paid for us to get our authority back. He wants us to have these things. You see, we can make this about a bunch of rules, and that's what we do a lot of times. We can make it about a bunch of rules, and what happens? This is what religious is. I have people tell me all the time at work, you're religious. You're religious. I tell them, no, I'm not religious. I have a relationship. You see, there's a huge difference there. If you're religious, and you come to church all the time, and you make it about all the rules, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. You see, my Bible teaches me I'm not even bound by the law anymore. I'm bound by the inward witness, the Holy Ghost and fire I have living inside of me. He's the one I have to listen to, not any man. I can't tell you, sister, you can't do this anymore because it's a sin. 
That's not my place to say that. That's God's place to say that. And not just you. I'm not picking on you. That's anybody. That's anybody. No person in here can come to somebody and say, Stephen, what you did last night, it was wrong. That's a sin. You're out of line if you do that. I'm out of line if I do that, really, unless God speaks to me to do that. God won't speak to a sheep to correct another sheep, though. You get this? He won't speak to any one of you to correct another one. If God speaks to me to correct him, I'm the shepherd here. I have to correct you. You get this? And I'm not putting myself on a pedestal by any means. I'm very humble here by this. But we can, we can live by the rules. We can try to live by the rules. And then if you, do, if you live that way, every time you come into church, the preacher will add another weight onto you. Somebody will say something, add another weight onto you, until this bar gets so heavy and you're so burdened down that you'll lay it down and you'll walk away. And guess what? The devil wins. You lose. And that's what he wants. You see, he'll take a little bit. I'm getting ahead of myself. Or we can live the other way with this thing, and we can have a relationship. And guess what happens when you have a relationship with God? You have all these promises that belong to you. You have this big, fat bank account, this trust fund that belongs to you when you're in a relationship with God. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. So you have peace through that, right? I have peace because I know God's got my back. I know everything that he's promised belongs to me. I know that he loves me. I know that I love him. I have this intimate relationship with this big, giant God who made the universe, spoke it into existence, and he rules everything. He gave me the authority to rule this world while I'm here. God gave me that. He gave you that. Do you understand that? Do we really understand that? Do we really believe that? So through this peace, then you have joy. All of a sudden, since I know all these things, hallelujah, Hot dog, this place belongs to me. It belongs to me. Can you get that down into you today? It belongs to you, Greenwood. This whole place belongs to you. You have to speak it, though. You have to live it. You have to get in God's Word and find out what belongs to you. You have to read the deed. Does that make sense? Yeah. If we read the deed, we know what God's promised us. It's ours. And then through this, guess what? Jesus came and paid that price for my freedom. I'm free from sin. He jerked that wedge right out from between me and God. As soon as I asked him for forgiveness, he took my sins and he watered them up and he cast them as far as the east is from the west. They're gone. They're gone forever. They'll never be held against me again unless I do them again. They'll never be held against me again. I have freedom. I have freedom. Why did God, why did God bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Because he loved them. But so they had freedom to worship him, right? I have freedom to worship God today. I live in the greatest country known to man. Probably the greatest country that's ever existed. We live here. As messed up as the United States is, it's still a great country. And we have so many freedoms here that we don't take advantage of. When's the last time you've heard a Christian speaking up against things that are going wrong in our country? And I don't want to get into politics today, but you think about this. We have freedoms, and we're giving them up every day because we don't speak. We keep our mouth shut, and we let them run over us and do whatever they want to do. The bus driver told Kyla last week that she can't talk about God at school. I told Kyla, you can't do honey. Send them to me if, you don't, if they don't like it. You can talk about God at school. The devil gets us off just a little bit of time. If he can get us to give up a little bit, he'll take it. And then if he can get us to give up a little bit more, he'll take that too. And then a little bit more, and he'll take that too. And he can just take a little step at a time like this. He's been doing it for a long time, and he's slick. And he'll get us to give up a little bit more, and he'll take that too. A little bit more, and he'll take that, and pretty soon he's got us way off the track. Way off the track, and we're doubting ourselves. Am I good enough? God paid for this already. The Bible says, neither give place to the devil. So, if I have to give him a place, 
that means he doesn't have a place anyway. Same way he was with Adam. He doesn't have a place. He can't go up and take my authority from me. He can't take my salvation from me. He's got to deceive me into me using my authority against myself, opening up my big mouth and saying bad things about myself instead of saying God's promises about my life. Does that make sense to y'all? Yeah. Where are we living at here in this? This is, should be, I mean, this, I mean this to be encouraging, not condemning. I know some of it probably sounds a little condemning. I probably come off a little bit over the top sometimes. I'm kind of a loud kind of personal, but sometimes I guess. Revelation 3.16 is my next scripture. It says, So then, because thou art lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. So if we're trying to get down this straight road right here, and the devil's taking a little bit here, and he's steering me a little bit over here, because I'm not making corrections, right? I'm not making any corrections, so the further I go down the road, I get a little further over here, and pretty soon I hit something over here, and I start bouncing off this side. I'm not making any corrections, right? Are you following me here? So I'm somewhere in the middle, and to be lukewarm, I had to be what? I started off cold because I was spiritually dead. When I asked God to come into my life and forgive me, I was hot, I was on fire. Remember when you first got saved, you were zealous. You wanted to go out and win the world. You want to tell all your friends? I saw it in a lot of you all here. I still see it in a lot of you all. You bring people in, all kinds of people in. People I haven't seen for years, people from everywhere come in. Because you're inviting them, because you're asking them. Because sheep reproduce sheep. Yeah. When's the last time you invited someone to church? Let me ask you this. Where's your zeal? Where's my zeal at? When's the last time we asked someone to church? When's the last time I told someone what God's done for me? When's the last time you've told someone what God's done for me? You say, well, that's too hard. I can't tell anybody what God's done for me. They'll, they'll make fun of me. I don't know the Bible that well. I can't do that, really, preacher. Guess what? You know your life story. That's all that God asks you to do. If you, if you tell people, if you're going around telling people what God's done for you, how God saved you, how your life's so much better now since he saved you, how the help you're getting since you came to a church, and you're getting involved in God's word, and you're applying it to your life, and oh, by the way, I've got this inheritance over here. They might look at you like you're crazy for a while, but when you keep living that way, and they keep seeing that joy, and they keep seeing that freedom that you have, and guess what? When everybody else is down on your job because the company said this and we got to do that, and everybody else is griping and complaining and cussing, and you've got joy, and you're still praying for the company, and you're still praying for our leaders, guess what? They see something different in you. Then what happens next? Hey, hey, where'd you say that church is you go to? I might, I might come down there and try that one day. Just keep telling them what God's doing for you. Keep working like this. God put me on a job on nights, and I hated my job for a while. And I, my mind wasn't right with it. My heart wasn't right with it. I hated it. It was on nights. I, I worked with a bunch of people who were doing a lot of things that I, that I had gotten away from that I've tried not to do anymore. And it was a bad place for me to be at. And all of a sudden, one day, I don't remember how it happened, but I had a revelation. And I realized this is a mission field. There's thousands of people in here that are lost, and they're dying, and they're going to hell. And I have the cure for it. I have the cure for it. Now, I'm not anything great. It's just through Jesus Christ, through the love of God, I have the cure for it. Because he showed me love, I can show them love. So I started telling them all about Jesus. And sometimes the Holy Ghost would come on us so strong in there. We'd be working on the line. I've stayed 10 minutes after the time the line shut off before, not even know it, because I'm in there talking to someone, and they got saved right on the line. I think six men got saved on the linebacker in that area. And then you know what happened? As soon as I told them all about God, I got to go to Dave. Sometimes we have to praise God. Sometimes he puts us in a position for a reason. And we don't know the end from the beginning, but God does. Yeah. God knows where we're going to be tomorrow. That's right. God knows where we're going to be next year. We don't know. 
So all the things we ask for things sometimes, maybe they don't fit into his plan. So that's why he doesn't give them to us. So if the devil can get me to give a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, you got that part? What should, we, what should I be doing? I think I should be taking a little bit from him. And then a little bit, a little bit, a little bit more. Because we're living way over here. If this is straight down the middle, church, I believe the world today, not just the world, but a lot of the church, is way over here. And we've got to get back somewhere over there. We can ask God to forgive us again and help us, and he will. But we've got to take these things back in our mind. We've got to stop thinking carnally. We've got to stop thinking as the world would think. We've got to stop thinking about the physical things. We've got to start thinking. I mean, we have to obviously address things. We have to feed our family things. We have to start thinking more in the terms of the, of the spiritual realm. <clears throat> I'd like to encourage you today. You can make it. You can do this. I'm not trying to make this sound impossible or too big. It's very, very simple, actually. We have to get in the Word. We have to rely on God every day. God has given you everything we're ever going to need. He's already, Jesus came and paid for it when he came and died. He put it in the bank for us. He gave us everything that we're ever going to need. He's put it in place for you to succeed. You get this? Yeah. Our dad has came and put a trust fund in for us, and everything's there for us to succeed. Anything you're ever going to need. Y'all should say hallelujah or something right there. I possess everything I'm ever going to need. I can make it big or I can blow it. Praise God. I can make it big or I can blow it. I can tread down or I can be tread down. I can be tread down by this world or I can tread this world down. It's completely up to me. Thank God for our inheritance, our deposit. We have our salvation, our victory, our supply. And through these things, we have our joy. Say, Pastor, I haven't seen a blessing in my life. I haven't seen a blessing in my life. It looks down in my life. I'm not saying I'm saying this. I'm saying some of you might some of you might be thinking this. It looks down in my life. It looks drab in my life. What I'm seeing right now is I owe this, 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 and this. I don't know how I'm going to pay it. Maybe I don't have any food in the cupboards. Maybe I don't know who's going to watch my kids this week. Maybe I don't have a job. Maybe I've lost my job. Do you think that's God's fault? A lot of times we get in trouble with that, blaming it on God. But let me tell you this. It's on your side of the fence if, there's, if these issues are going on. Sometimes we have, we have to go through trials and we have to praise God so that we have a testimony to get through. Um, now I'm in 2 Peter 3, 9. It's in God's perfect time. The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some people understand. See, a lot of times we think, God, this ain't working for me. God's too slow. He doesn't hear me. I'm not good enough. But this right here says, he's not slow about his promise, as some people understand. Slowness, but is being patient with you. God's being patient. He does not want one to perish, but wants everyone to repent. Does that make sense? So when you're thinking all these things, and you got all these things there between you and God, sometimes we need to repent. Sometimes there's something there between us and God. We need to check ourselves all the time. That's what I started off with, right? We need to check ourselves constantly, continually checking our salvation. Because there's many that's going to try to get in, and few are going to make it. Because we may be sitting here warming a few. We may not be doing our calling that God called us. I'm not saying that'll send you to hell. I don't know what's going to send you to hell exactly. The Bible says, for, them that, for him that knoweth to do is good, and doeth it to not, to him it is sin. So if we're not doing what we know is right, then we may not be right with God. We need to check ourselves with us all the time. We need to follow the Spirit. He wants us so badly that he sent his son here to die. 
I can't say this enough times. If you saw that video last night that they played there, Sister Brenda played, she had played it actually, but it was for their band. If you saw that video, you saw it here the other day, when he died out there, that was a gruesome, gruesome event. There were people crying all over the house I saw. I saw a few people, I was looking around the crowd by the thing, wanting to see the reactions, and I saw a few people turn their head away from it. They couldn't even look at it. Right. Think about sending your child there to do that. He, he loves us that much he sent his child there to do that. If we let the enemy deceive us, it's our fault. It's my fault if I don't live in the blessings and the promises and my salvation that God's given to me. He's already put it in place. It's my fault if I don't receive of it. The Bible says he walks to and fro like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Let me ask you this today, church. He says whom he may devour. That means we have to give him permission to, right? Because right. the kid raises his hand in school and says, teacher, may I go to the bathroom? And it's either yes or no. Whom he may devour. Will you allow him to devour you today? <coughs> Will you allow him to devour you? Are you going to step out in what God has for you? Let's check our hearts today. We could just close our eyes here real quick and pray to God. Let's pray that God would look inside of us today and, and show us if it's us. Show us if it's really us that needs to check ourselves. If it's you, come to the altar. There's no shame in that. I had to come to the altar myself. And make sure I was right with God. Because I think I have doubt in there. And I shouldn't have no doubt if I really believe God is. God is here for me. Maybe this, maybe this isn't you. Maybe you don't know God as your personal Savior. If that's you, come on down here. Come now. It's better right now. Don't think about what people are thinking about around you. It's a long ways up there. And it seems awkward to go up there in front of people. Don't be thinking about that today. What you need to be thinking about is your Savior. What he did for you. And that's a small thing to step out, walk to the front of this room, and bow down and pray to him. And just make sure everything's right with him. Even if you think it is, but you're not positive, you need to make sure today. Check yourself and ask him to check you. Make sure that we're right before God. Make sure that we're ready to go on on that day. Make sure we're living up to our fullest potential. We need to be reading this book. check yourself today. I feel the Holy Ghost still tugging at heartstrings here. I know he's still tugging at heartstrings here. Thank you. Lord, touch them, Father God. Change lives here today, Father God. Lord, light a fire in their soul, Lord. Shut up a fire in their bones that cannot be contained, Lord. When the wind blows, Lord, this fire only spreads. So that's me. Pray for me. I've had doubt. I've had an unbelief. Thank you for the hand. Thank you, Daddy. Thank you for the hand. Thank you, Father. I know the best messages come when he preaches to me with them first. <laughs> I know it's going to hit me before I have the heart. Thank you for the hand. Thank you for the people who are at the altars. Can I get some people to come and pray?
sometimes you might need to pray like this. Just talk to God. You know, maybe, maybe you don't think you really have anything wrong between you and God. Maybe you need to come to God and say, I pray this way a lot of times. Father, if there's anything wrong between me and you, anything at all in my life, if it's hidden in there and I don't know about it, Dad, would you please just purge it out? Burn it out of me. Take it away from me. I don't care what it is. Nothing's more important to me than you, than our relationship, than my salvation. Nothing is more important than that. Whether it's unforgiveness, whether it's a sin I'm doing, whatever it is, nothing's more important to me than you, God. And a lot of times, I've caught myself with this. I've harbored unforgiveness. I had it in there. I thought I forgave that person, but I still had it in there. Because when something would come up about them, a little attitude can flare up again. And I realize I haven't fully forgiven them. I haven't fully done that. Sometimes we have to give that to God. Because there's been a couple times, a couple people, <clears throat> the thing was so big that I couldn't do it on my own. I couldn't forgive. I couldn't let it go. I tried. I wanted to. But it was still there. When that topic came up or when that person came up or when I'd see that person, a little attitude would flare up. That flesh thing would come up in me again. You all relate to that? Yes, sir. Not always unforgiveness, but you get where I'm going with it. Sometimes there's things in there that are hidden down inside of us. Just a little seed of something. The Bible tells me if I have unforgiveness in my heart and I come with a sacrifice to God. Praise is a sacrifice, right? So when I come to praise God, he says, I can't even accept you can't even accept my sacrifice lest I put that thing to bed. I put that thing to rest. So I have to lay my sacrifice down and I have to come back to my brother, make it right with him, or my sister, or my ex, or whoever it may be, and make it right. You know, even if you're not wrong, sometimes you gotta ask for forgiveness. He's made me do that before. That's a hard thing to do, especially when you believe you're truly right. You have to ask them for forgiveness. And once you've asked them, if they can do what they choose to do with that. If they don't accept it, they don't forgive you, then that's on them at that point. We have to make sure we're right with it, though, with everything, everything. And give God thanks. Give God the glory. I'd like to thank everyone for coming out today. I hope it spoke to more than just me. I know it spoke to some hearts here. I know it, God got on me about it, and it's been a week. I had a lot of content, but I never really put it together until this morning. You gave me the rest of it. Um, if we could just close in prayer. Daddy, we thank you for this day, Father God. I thank